Hello there, welcome to episode 6 of the HSK Student Pod. This is Richard, your host from the HSK ETEC team. Thank you for joining us on episode 6 of the HSK Student Pod. It's a pleasure to have you as one of our listeners. I hope you had a good and relaxing Easter break. I know there was a lot of work going on in your Easter break trying to work hard on those assignments, including preparing for your coming exams. Saying that, I still hope you put aside some relaxing time for yourself, friends, and family. These last few weeks, while walking around the HSK building, I have come across several students and staff who have actually given positive feedback and ideas regarding the HSK student pod. It's really always nice to talk to you, our listeners. We also thank those listeners who have been sending in written feedback. Please, we continue to encourage you to keep sending in any ideas that you have got. If you also want to take part on an episode, please do get in touch. We are happy to have you as one of our guests. Please, do not forget, do share the podcast with your friends, colleagues to help continue building the HSK staff student community. Now, before I forget, just in case you have not had the chance to listen to the Digital Legacy podcast from the previous episode, I really encourage you to go and listen to this important topic. I also request you to share this uh, Digital Legacy our podcast link with friends and family. As usual, I have special guests lined up for you who are going to share wonderful and fantastic messages and I hope you enjoy this episode. First, we have a message from Julie Vu, our Associate Dean for Learning and Teaching and Student Experience. Julie is going to give us some general news and updates on what's going on in the school. I now hand over to Julie. Hello everybody and a very warm welcome to the May edition of the HSK Student Podcast. Uh, This month I have had the huge privilege of both judging and then attending the awards celebration for the Student Nursing Time Awards 2019, which was held in London last week at the Grosvenor House Hotel in Park Lane. Um, And I went along with some colleagues from the school, some of the teaching staff with Jackie Kelly, the Dean. Uh, and other members of staff, and also some of our students. Uh, And we went along to cheer um, colleagues in the profession, students uh, who had done all sorts of innovative and interesting things in their categories. Uh, And in particular, we were were there to applaud our own colleagues, Cathy Wayman from Adult Nursing and Debbie Martin from the Children's Nursing Team, who've both been shortlisted in student experience category. Uh, And also Ian Costello, one of our recently graduated students, Ian, uh, in one of our nursing associates, uh, also nominated and shortlisted in his category. So it was fantastic to be there and we were really, uh, really rooting for them to win their categories. Sadly, they didn't, um, but it was a huge achievement really even to get even to get shortlisted from something like over 800 nominations in total. So really quite something to get there. Um, and it was it was just a wonderful event to be part of and to see and hear so many innovative and inspiring stories from colleagues around the country and most importantly, to applaud and celebrate students' roles in that. So we had a great afternoon. Um, we did even manage to get a bit of dancing in and some live music. And I have to say that the students that came along with us, that's Tunde, uh, Gisela, Melissa and Sam, they did us absolute proud because I hate dancing, but I did manage to get on the dance floor for a bit. Uh, so I don't know how they managed that in retrospect. It had nothing at all to do with the glass of champagne that we had on arrival. But we had a really lovely afternoon. It was really nice for, for staff and students really to come together and be part of that event. Um, so we thoroughly enjoyed that. But it's all about celebration this month because we've also 
and been really working hard to shortlist against the HSK Dean's Awards. And if you can hear me rustling a bit of paper, it's because I've got a huge, I've got 44 bits of paper in front of me, which are all the nominations we've had for staff and students in our own HSK Dean's Awards. Um, So there's pages and pages of them. And next week, the panel will meet to do the final shortlisting to see who the winners and highly commended are in the various, I think we've got 10 categories. So winners get a £100 voucher, runners-up get £50, they also get a, a school prize, um, and, uh, and we have a really nice celebratory event for that, uh, and with, with photographs and, uh, and, uh, and some refreshments, and families can come along too. So that's a lovely thing to, to be coming up, uh, and that will be in June. But in the meantime, we've got these 44 pages to wade through and try and reduce this huge list of nominations down to a sensible shortlist. And I thought it would be nice just to read out some of the commendations that we've had for uh, students. So if you hear the rustling of paper, forgive that. But they are such amazing things that, that staff have written in about their students. So these are the student categories. So going with the first one, I'm not going to mention any names for obvious reasons because we're trying to shortlist uh, uh, and we don't want to reveal any names at this stage. But uh, XXX is committed highly motivated, hardworking and extremely modest in all that she does. It has been an honour to work with her as her clinical link tutor, watching her grow into a radiographer that will be a credit to the radiotherapy professions in the future. That is such a nice nomination. It's very hard to pick out from these. But here is another one. I have known XXX for three years as my personal student. She has been a pleasure to support through her journey in becoming a midwife and demonstrates resilience, tenacity and empathy. As part of her training, she gave continuity of care to women and their families to demonstrate her exceptional compassion and skill. Below is a snippet of a letter I received from one of her caseload clients who had a home birth. And this is just a little bit of what the client wrote. XXX was absolutely amazing. She was kind helpful and very knowledgeable which made the entire process easier for me. She was so superb at all of my appointments but most of all absolutely amazing at my birth. She was calm through it all which in turn helped me to be calm and I think really did help with a very quick and easy labour. She goes on to say uh, towards the end of the letter the essence of being a midwife is being with woman and I believe that she demonstrates this through her dedication of woman-centred care And I believe she will make an exceptional midwife and is a credit to our profession and the university. So this is a member of staff writing about a student that clearly has had a a huge impact uh, on that member of staff. And here's another one. In many ways, XXX has demonstrated how being consistent and working hard can have positive results on achievement with academic work and practice placements. They have effectively used the resources provided by the university to ensure that they are developing and learning and applying their knowledge and practice. Although there were times in their first and second year when they had struggled with the course, they have come on leaps and bounds in their third year and are now enjoying the learning process more than in the formative years. This is purely down to hard work and consistency, making effective use of the time they have. XXX is tenacious in their attitude towards studying, persevering in difficult times and pushing themselves to achieve goals. It's again such a lovely nomination to put forward and the last one I want to mention and these do spread across all our different discipline groups but here again is a lecturer talking about and there's quite a long nomination here so I'm just going to read you the bit at the end I cannot speak any more highly of XXX as I don't have the words 
They arrived here at the University of Hertfordshire as a quiet, polite, humble person who has grown to become a young, confident, positive, dynamic person who consistently promotes the core values of their profession. These are such lovely words to write about students and they're very heartfelt and lecturers, you know, always tell us how busy they are. But do you know what? They take out the time to write this, to take the time to comment on, to nominate, to to value really and recognise their students and they're all desperately wanting their students to be the ones to win so that's uh, that's you out there uh, and I think it's just really nice when I sit and read through these I can't believe some of the things our students managed to fit in uh, in amongst their studies the charity work um, the special extra time they give to support other students or members of the family the difficulties they overcome because there are lots of barriers talked about in these nominations uh, and the way that they can still excel and achieve despite often quite difficult circumstances. Uh, and it's you know absolute credit to the individual professional areas and also to the school as a whole. So very excited uh, next week when we get to uh, reduce the list of 125 nominations down to just 20. So that's 10 winners and 10 runners up. And we will let you know the outcome then when we get to it. So that's all from me. I'm going to hand back to Richard, uh, who can take you on to the rest of the podcast to enjoy it and uh, speak to you again come June. Thanks, Julie, for keeping us up to date on what's going on in the school. We thank you for sharing with us some of the comments that have been written about some of the student nominations. It's really nice to hear touching and heartfelt words that have been written about some of the nominated students. Your brief snapshot does really show the high-quality nominations that have been made. Indeed you have a big challenge to pick out the 20 nominations. I wish to thank the staff who have taken their valuable time to nominate and write supporting comments for their nominations, despite the heavy workload that you've got. Good luck to all the students who have been nominated. If you don't win, just know you should be proud of yourself just to be nominated. Don't forget, congratulations to Ian Costero, one of our nursing associate students, who was nominated in his category for the 2019 Student Nursing Times Awards. Well done, Ian. I also need to congratulate our special lecturers, Kathy Wayman and Debbie Martin from the Adult Nursing Team, who were nominated for the 2019 Student Nursing Times Awards. Congratulations, ladies. You really did us very proud. For this month's student success stories, we have our guests Ian and Yasna, students on the Training Nursing Associates Program. We also have their academic support tutor, Diane, who has kindly accompanied them on the HSK Student Board. Ian and Yasna are going to share with us their academic journey and experience on the Training Nursing Associate Program. I now hand you over to Julie, who had the opportunity of meeting and interviewing Ian and Yasna. So thank you very much, Richard, for that. Uh, and I'm really pleased to welcome here this morning two guests, uh, both of whom are from the Training Nursing Associate Programme, that's to study the Foundation Degree in Healthcare Practice. And I've got Ian Costello with me and Yasna Lemesh-Filipovic. Um, and thank you both of you for joining us today. I'm really looking forward just to talking to you and understanding a little bit about your experiences, both before you came on the programme, what brought you to be on the programme, and also since you've been studying on the programme. Uh, with us. So I'm going to start um, with you, Yasna, and ask you if you would share with us a little bit about what, what happened before, what brought you to come and join the programme. Tell us a little bit about that background. 
Hello, hi. Um, so I came to England about 25 years ago um, without being able to speak a single word of English. Um, my journey commenced by teaching myself English. Um, I always wanted to do nursing. However, when I was young, my father wouldn't allow me to leave home and go far away to do nursing. Once I was here, my, my ex-husband didn't agree with nursing and long shifts and night shifts. So once I unfortunately took a divorce, I commenced access to higher education. However, with preteen kids, um, it was very difficult. So advice from a tutor was to start work at the hospital, do the NVQs, um, do the secondment. Um, but the year I finished my NVQ3, the secondment stopped and I couldn't mm -hmm. afford to do the nursing, um, which I'm very passionate about, by the way. And once this opportunity came through, my colleagues encouraged me and pushed me towards joining. And here I am, two years later. And when you say, here I am, you make it sound just, and here I am. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a huge amount of work, though, before you could even get here. And barriers to overcome. And um, you said you had children, some financial issues, say, at work, yes, you know, and, and yeah. then the course has stopped. And then, but also, lovely to hear you say that colleagues encouraged yes. and, you know, you to come forward and to do this. So Yes, I, I was very fortunate to be surrounded with or by some of the most amazing nurses I have worked, I have, I have, well, or I met. Yeah. Um, and they had encouraged me. I think they recognised my compassion and my passion for nursing. As I was saying earlier, to me, nursing is the greatest privilege and an honour. So to be able to get that support and that push to overcome my insecurities, because as I said, I couldn't even speak English when I came to this country. I did GCSEs um, in English just to kind of get into a swing of English education. And when I got a B plus, I, I think I, f I was flawed. That's so incredible. From, and, I, and I think you said from, to me earlier that you taught yourself English. Yes, I did. I... Um, read children's books and I listened to the radio and um, everybody that surrounded me, I asked, when I make mistakes, please correct me. And they said they would be embarrassed. And I said, well, it's going to be worse 20 years down the line if I'm still in this country and I'm still not able to speak yeah. English properly. So I, I was very, very, I consider myself to be very lucky. I was given opportunities along the way to meet some wonderful people who have been wonderful support. Okay, okay. Um, I'm, I'm a, as somebody who speaks very bad German, French and Spanish, very bad, <laughs> slightly better English, hopefully. I'm in awe of anybody, you know, who not only speaks another language, but has also been able to teach themselves that language yeah. in the way that you did and then go on and get a qualification in it too. And listening to you now, you're so fluent. That's amazing. Well, so thank I'm, you. I'm, you know, I think it's incredible. I'm, I, we're going to pause there for a moment. I'm going to ask more or less the same question of Ian, and then we're going to come back to you and find out more about that passion for nursing. Okay, so Ian, tell us a little bit about what brought you to be on the course. So I um, always wanted to get into nursing and healthcare and saw a job advertised for a forensic learning disability and mental health healthcare assistant and um, didn't really understand what the role was about, but applied and got quite a shock that Forensic didn't mean CSI, whatever. Um, and I didn't, I've done 15 years working um, there um, and struggled with confidence, never had the opportunity to go on to do secondment. 
Um, I did do my MVQ, um, and an opportunity arose, and the head of nursing said, after observing me in practice, I'd really like you to apply for this course. Um, and then there was a barrier. It was the maths and English. I didn't do very well at school due to being bullied. But she said, I'll pay for you to do your maths and English. You'll sit it tomorrow. Yeah. So I went home with the books, and the next day I sat my maths and English um, passed and interviewed for the next week. And Now I have to get my head around the speed of that. You sat it the next day. How How could that happen? It was... She contacted the head of um, education and um, they facilitated it here in Hatfield. Yeah. And it was an all-day thing, maths and English, and one of them was a presentation speaking in front of a camera. And as I said, I had my insecurities, um, anxiety, and I remember quite clearly thinking I'd failed, actually, because I cried yeah. in front of the camera. But now I passed the week, it took a week for the exam results to come back and I kept ringing and, yeah, yeah so... It, I mean, that must have felt tremendous, it's, it's a lot to happen in quite a short space of time, isn't it? I think it was the fact that throughout my time there, many professionals, not just nurses, but doctors and psychologists, social worker, we've got a wonderful social worker at work, have always said you should go on and train, but I've never believed them. Hmm. But now I'm starting to believe in myself that I am capable. Fantastic. So, okay, yeah. thank you. So thank you. So you're both very different pathways really bringing you onto this program and lots of things I'm sure people listening will you know will resonate with them you mentioned about confidence you mentioned about the barriers of language you sort of touched on finance but you've also both touched on the people around you who really supported you and enabled you and and you know to have a manager who was prepared to you know do those exams really push you forward like that is is you know uh, is, is very kind of positive isn't it here that people out there will support you. But I want to ask you a bit more now about, you've been on the programme, so you've been on the programme since 2017. Um, let me come back to you, Yasna, and ask you, what are the highlights? What's been really good for you? For the course itself? Mm, yeah. It, it's given me opportunity to enhance my skills and my knowledge to do what to, to do what I love the most. I think sometimes people find it a little bit funny when I go on how passionate I am about helping others. Mm-hmm. I come from a war-torn country and um, I know the importance of helping others because I needed that help. And in my mind, nursing is the way I can do it. And this sounds like an ambition that's been long waiting to be fulfilled. Yes. Yes. Ever since I was a little girl. Really? I always wanted to be a nurse. However, once the war started... um, and once I was caught and, and got out of it, I went to find the way of help the humanity. Okay. And this is the way I'm and doing this it. This is the way you're doing it. Fantastic. Okay, take a breath. Take a breath for a moment. And thank you so much for sharing that. There's a lot there, I know, to think about for everybody. But here you are doing the thing that you long, long wanted to do. It's to and make you... a difference in somebody's life. It's, yeah. However small it might be, is the greatest honour. And a privilege, that's how I feel about it. And if it's just holding somebody's hand, or whether it's doing a massive procedure to save somebody's life, it's yeah. just as important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. And you've said that so well. Thank you. I'm going to ask Ian, though, what have, what have the highlights for you been? What have been the good things about the programme? Or maybe something in particular you've enjoyed, or just generally what you feel you've got out of it? Um, what's been absolutely amazing is people like Yasna, you know, We've come from all different areas, so 
she's from acute, I'm from learning disabilities, mental health, we've had people come from the community, we've got one gentleman as children. So when we're in class and we're doing anatomy and physiology, some of us are scratching our heads, looking around, flicking a pencil, like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, and they were able to help us and answer those, just the small abbreviations. Mm-hmm. And then when it come on to like person-centred care, people with, where I work, I have the privilege um, of looking on. For looking after them for a long period of time so we're able to help those in acute settings um, understand mental health issues and what person-centered care is so for me the best element is so many fields coming together in the classroom so many different experiences being adult learners with history like yours and sharing it and coming together as one and help yeah helping each other has been okay. amazing okay and it sounds like you have built a very, what feels to me like a very close learning community uh, amongst you of supporting each other as well as your academic staff. I know I know that in practice, but it sounds like you've come together as a group and learnt a lot about each other. Mm. Adult, or did you say adult learners? Did you say adult learners with history? Yeah. Is that phrase you use? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a lesson for all of us, isn't it, when you're in a classroom with people. Nobody comes with a blank slate, do they? Everyone comes from somewhere and trying to understand where they're coming from is part of the battle, isn't it, in creating an environment where you can all then move on together and learn together. Yasna? I just, as picking up on what Ian said, um, having the opportunity to appreciate other fields of healthcare, like I have grown to appreciate a mental health nurse just as much as I appreciate the acute medical or medical side general general mm. medicine nurse, uh, potentially or initially, they are both saving lives. And before my placement in mental health, I wasn't quite aware of that. Yeah. It wasn't quite, quite there in my mind. I knew it was important, but I didn't realise just how important it was. So having all these experiences in, in, in community, in mental health, in surgical, acute medical, children's, um, all sorts of social work, it's been absolutely amazing. I think we've, had, we've been the lucky ones who have had an eye in every, in every little piece and then sharing the experiences with our colleagues and with our university colleagues and the support that we got from them as well. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you. Okay, I can I can hear how passionate you are, and the passionate was the word that you used, Jasna, earlier, uh, and how much both of you you know, wanted to do this, and how much you've got out of it. So coming towards the end now, um, so it's going to be another period of change for you, isn't it? A little bit of loss as you yes. move on, but I think what would be really nice to end with is what's next for you. So what is the ambition? Let me ask you, Ian, first. What what happens when the program ends? What are you going to do? Um, I've kind of already sh- shared on Twitter my feeling of it's, I've had tears of being proud, but tears of loss. I've come from having no confidence, um, to winning an award at the university and then at my trust, professional of the year, going to national conferences, but you know what, this has opened so many doors for me that I just don't know. Okay. So okay. we'll see. Great. So doors have opened and the world now is awaiting to see what you want to do. I've I've realised that I love learning. You love learning and you have choices now about what you want to do. So a very different place to where you were a couple of years ago. Absolutely. Okay, so we'll we'll have to wait. You'll have to watch Twitter then to see what, what Ian does next. 
Yasna, do you know what you're going to do next? In all honesty, for now, um, I just want to spend at least a year doing my role as a nursing associate once we're qualified. But initially, at this particular moment in time, I have realised that from now on I can do anything I want to because we've done so much so far. I just need to step at the time and take it as it comes. So whether I go further and do the top up and become band five or whether I stay in my own role um, is just something that's there for me and I have to decide. I want to decide in time, but um, the confidence that is there now, um, I can do it if I want to do it. And that's so, really, that, you know, that's come through very strongly from both of you, the confidence that it's given you. Yes. Um, I'm in awe, you know, of the hurdles and steps that you've taken to even get on the programme, um, which I think will resonate with lots of students listening. But to hear you now say that the position you're in now of choice, what you might do, the possibilities, yes. you could stay as you are and really enjoy that and really consolidate that. Or you could choose from all sorts of things that are out there. It's open doors for you is uh, is amazing. And we didn't say at the beginning, but of course you have got somebody else in the room with us that we haven't spoken to. But Diane Mills Curry is in here, who is the academic skills tutor that supports the program. And uh, she's sitting in the corner because we said we wouldn't talk to her, but she's beaming with pride and uh, possibly a hint of a tear in your eye there, Diane. Proud, aren't you? Um, who's been on this journey as well with them and been incredibly supportive, I know, to the programme, very enabling. And I know that you would want to say thank you very much to Diane for all that she and the other members of the programme that have done, absolutely. Mm. Um, but it's the feeling of pride extends to us too as successful students who are about to launch out into the world. So I think all we can do is wish you every luck with whatever you decide to do. Um, whatever patients or service users you come into contact with, I think are going to be very fortunate to have you looking out for them. Okay, and um, so lots of luck, and thank you both. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. That's a fantastic message from Ian, Yasna, and Julie. Ian and Yasna, thank you very much for coming to share with our listeners your touching and empowering academic journey and experience on the Training Nursing Associates Program. Sitting here listening to your story. I feel so proud as an HSK member to see two successful students that have come from different tough journeys and successfully made it despite all the different life challenges. Similar to what Julia has already mentioned, I'm sure all our listeners, especially HSK students, listening to your message, they are empowered by your journey to destiny. Thank you for sharing with us your journey to destiny and we wish you good luck in whatever you decide to do. I'm sure. Good things are waiting ahead of you. I also wish to thank Diane, academic support tutor for Ian and Yasna, for the support you have given these two students and actually for encouraging them to come and share their story with the HSK student board listeners. These two students have shown the positive impact your team and other support programs either from HSK or within the university can make to students' life experiences. Thanks, Diane. Don't forget to thank our fantastic jury for a skillful interview that has helped our guests in actually sharing their message with us today. Thanks, Julie. We are always actually enjoying the way you create stories from our guests. This is to all HSK student pod listeners. We are always keen to hear first-hand accounts from HSK students about your work, your experiences, your challenges and successes. Please do get in touch if you've got a message you would want to share with our listeners. 
For this month's profession spotlight, we have Dr. Hubert Van Grisven from the physiotherapy team. I don't know if you've been in this situation. You've got some kind of pain, especially many of us suffer some kind of back-related pain. You go to see your GP about your pain. Often it may not take long for the GP to give you a small prescription after a few checks. Unfortunately, on your return home, things have not improved or sometimes even worse. You may also try another consultant who may come up with a different assessment and recommendations which don't really improve your pain situation. My question is, is it difficult to understand the causes of pain? Now, this is why we are so lucky to have our special guest today, Dr. Hubert, who will be able to enlighten us on our understanding of pain. I now hand you over to Dr. Hubert. I, my name is Hubert van Greensven. Um, I was invited by the uh, HSK podcast to, uh, to record something about pain. Um, I run a few modules here about pain. So one is a general pain module for master's students. And one is a module that uh, tells or that teaches um, clinicians how to include psychological therapies for patients with pain. Now, people often ask me why I'm so interested in pain. And um, one of the things is that it's not straightforward and also that it's full of interesting little contradictions. So, for example, uh, many people have experienced toothache and they often find that the moment they sit in the waiting area of the dentist that they suddenly don't feel as much pain anymore. So it's kind of interesting to learn about why that may be. It could be that they're really worried about what the dentist is going to do. But another theory is that because they know they've ta they're taking action which is going to help them, that already um, they're not noticing the pain as much anymore. So the pain is interesting because the tooth hasn't changed and what's wrong with the tooth hasn't changed, but something in the circumstances has made a difference for the pain that they feel. Now, another thing uh, to do with uh, toothache is that lots of people find that when they've got a bad tooth, they keep prodding it. They either with their tongue or they stick their finger in and they keep just prodding it. And this is very interesting because they know it hurts. And because it hurts, it's uncomfortable. So why do they keep doing it? So... There are interesting things to do with pain relief, but also with, you know, why we seem to have a need to aggravate pain sometimes. Now, the pain and our behavior is, is not explained by the physical problems. So what we've learned is that uh, the nervous system, like your brain and the nerves in your spinal cord, are able to either amplify pain or they're able to uh, suppress it. And they can also lead to pains that you feel away from uh, the area where the problem is. So someone may say, well, you know, it's my knee that hurts, but it may in fact be their hip that is causing it, or it may be their back. So that makes our uh, job as a clinician more interesting, but also a bit more difficult. 
because if that person says my knee hurts then we'll have to work out whether it is in fact the knee or the hip or the back or um, whether if they say it hurts really bad whether it is because the knee is really bad or because their nervous system is making it feel really bad so your nervous system can amplify things and can make it uh, can make things feel better and in some cases that's to do with stress so under stress we uh, if it's life-threatening stress then we don't feel the pain so people who get shot for instance in a war they may uh, try to get away and they don't feel their pain until they're in a safe situation so that's called stress-induced analgesia or stress-induced pain relief but on the other hand stress can also uh, make pain worse if we're uh, we're tense and we're a bit anxious then it could be that we feel pain more than we would normally do so for a clinician it's uh, important to work out what someone's mental state is what they're going through um, and how their circumstances may be influencing the pain that they feel so what that also means is that sometimes just addressing the physical problem is not going to deal with the main issue so if i reduce the uh, the problem in someone's knee for instance if the problem doesn't originate there or if there are psychological or social factors which maintain the pain then just treating the knee is not going to be enough to help the person so you always have to think about okay am i trying to help the their the person's body or am i trying to help their them as an individual so for students in healthcare professions, I would recommend that, first of all, you learn how to examine and how to clinically reason about what you find. And sometimes everything adds up and points at the same thing. So, for instance, someone with a knee injury, they may describe a very specific injury and uh, they may tell me exactly where it hurts and what makes it worse and what makes it better and then I do some tests and I may come to the conclusion that everything is consistent with for instance uh, a, a knee uh, ligament injury. Now in that case it makes sense to focus my treatment on that ligament but um, sometimes not all the elements of the presentation add up so a uh, patient may have some signs that there may be something wrong with that ligament but there may be other signs that suggest something else and you may end up with a number of contradictory findings now if you cannot find a simple explanation for the pain then you have to start thinking about what else may be going on and that could be that the nervous system is playing a role in uh, the pain presentation and part of that could be the patient's uh, psychology it could be what they are worried about for instance um, or past memories uh, past experiences uh, there may be all sorts of things that uh, that play a role and also whether they understand what the problem is so if someone has the wrong understanding of what is going on with their pain then they take action to deal with the pain but the action may be completely inappropriate 
So they may actually not be helping themselves at all, in which case, you know, your treatment may be important, but it's just as important that you explain to them what is going on and you uh, ask them what they are worried about and you try to give them a realistic reassurance. Um, by the way, if the reassurance is just, you know, fobbing someone off or, uh, or just giving them reassurance that doesn't really make any sense, then that tends not to work. It has to be uh, addressing the problems that the patient feels they have. Um, the other uh, issue is that you need to work out how the nervous system is working in general. So sometimes uh, people have very uh, sensitized nervous system. So that means that they have a, a similar injury to someone else, but it's much more easily flared up. And it may start causing pains in other areas that you don't necessarily, uh, that don't necessarily make sense. So that comes back to you having to check whether everything that you find and everything that the patient tells you is consistent and then trying to build up a picture of what's uh, what's going on with that person um, so i've talked about pain from injuries and pain from uh, changes in the nervous system it could also be that the nervous system is damaged so for instance you get uh, you you injure a nerve and then suddenly your your pains change as well so um, if I damage some nerves that go into my leg, for instance, because I have a trapped nerve in my back, then I can still get a problem in my leg and that could cause me knee pain, for instance. But it's the trapped nerve which is somewhere completely different that needs the treatment. And an extreme example of that is when someone has a brain injury. So, for instance, they have a stroke and nothing has happened with their body but they may feel pain in their body just because the brain is not process, processing uh, the signals from the body very well. So in that case, it wouldn't make any sense to start treating the uh, pain in the body because there's nothing wrong with the body. It's just in the brain things are going wrong. So you need a different approach for that. So um, I hope that uh, that gives you some insight into why I think pain is really interesting. And uh, yeah, I hope that it's, uh, been given, it's given you some indication of what you may want to look out for when you uh, examine uh, patients and um, you decide on what to do in your treatment. Dr. Hubert, any final message you can give to HSK students in terms of their preparations in being able to understand pain? I know it doesn't matter if it's a midwifery, physio, paramedic or other nursing student, there will be a moment when each of these students is put in a position of assessing someone's pain. So the final message is for uh, students in healthcare is that if you listen carefully uh, to what someone says about their pain and you do your examination, then if everything points at the same structure, then you don't need to worry so much about uh, pain mechanisms and pain physiology, you focus on uh, the physical treatment. So, for example, what I said about knee injury, if I sprain a ligament, then 
if I stretch that ligament or do things that stretch it, then that's likely to make it hurt more. But if I take the stretch off, it hurts less. If I put pressure on, like if I prod it, then it probably hurts more. And if I stop doing that, it hurts less. So that's very consistent. And it may also be consistent with what the patient has, you know, how they've injured themselves and what they describe. And the same applies, for instance, if someone comes in with stomach pain, like, you know, if you press a certain organ and it hurts more uh, and less, less pressure hurts less. And then, you know, if they have a bowel movement, it hurts more. But if they, do, if they uh, don't eat a lot and they don't have a lot of bowel movement, then it hurts less. Then that gives you an indication of what may be going on. But in some patients, things don't add up. So we know that patients with fibromyalgia, for instance, they can have pain in one place one day and pain in another place some other day. Um, and some people with irritable bowel, for instance, they can feel like they really need to go to loo and have bowel pain uh, for no apparent reason. So if things don't add up, then you need to start looking at what is going on with the nervous system. Is it maybe hypersensitive? Is it, uh, do you have damage to nerves? Um, or are there psychological or social factors influencing the nervous system? So look for consistency. And if it's not consistent, then you need to look further. Thank you for having me on the podcast, Richard. Bye-bye. Dr. Hubert, what an enlightening message you have left with our listeners. Thank you so much for the wonderful and useful information you have shared with us today. I'm sure our listeners are going to take on your key message and act on the issues you have raised regarding understanding pain. Indeed, you have left us thinking. It's always a pleasure to have our special guests like you on the HSK Student Pod. I wish to thank our guests, Julie, Hubert, Ian, Yasna and Diane for the good messages and news they have given us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the HSK Student Pod. Now, before we come to the end of this podcast, I know we are in exam season and also many assignments are going on, including placements. I know this brings lots of pressure and it's a tough time for all of you, but I need to encourage you, do not give up. Just keep going and keep aiming to get successfully to your destiny, despite the many challenges you may come across. I also need to remind you of the support there is for you here in the school and in the wider university. I need to encourage you to make the most of the resources and the support you are being offered. Please, do not sit in silence. Please, do not sit in silence. There are always people waiting to listen to your needs. Please, if you have not yet done so, do not forget to sign up to the HSK Student Podcast so that you can receive new episodes automatically. This can be done either by downloading and installing the SoundCloud app, which is really a free app that will give you easy access to the podcast episodes. Now, those who have iPhones, you can also get access to the podcast through the iTunes uh, website. Another really very easy way to get access to the podcast is by going to the SoundCloud website and type in HSK Student Pod and you have access to the podcast. So there are so many ways you can easily get to the podcast. 
I need to encourage you to remind five friends of yours to listen to this episode. By doing this, you are doing your part to help to build the HSK staff student community. Good luck to all HSK students in your exams, assignments, and the placements. To all our third-year HSK students, I know the end to your HSK journey is almost in sight. Good luck in any remaining tasks and in your job search efforts. I hope you get the job you've been working so hard for. Lastly, I just need to say to all HSK student board listeners, look after yourselves. And I hope everything you do in May goes well for you. Bye-bye from Richard, your host, and join us in our next HSK Student Pod, which will have something fresh and new to listen to.